Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show over here on the Strickland YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this today after Strickland Podcast Network, Knicks win 119 to 113 over the Pacers in what should have been a rout, but you know how the Knicks get at MSG. Um, you know, can't hold the lead to save their lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, RJ Barrett returned. Shout out to him. He played a really great game, I think, um, in someone that hasn't played in six games and like the expectation was rust. And he came out and put up 27, eight and four on nine of 23. I, I think the, the shooting numbers don't really tell the whole story of his game today. I saw a lot of things that I like from him, and we'll get into that as we go on. Um, Jalen Brunson, once again, Captain Clutch, um, 34 points. Just, you know, hitting timely baskets when we need them most. Um, but, yeah, um, Grimes, Grimes, 18 points. I thought he hit some really big baskets in the fourth quarter after not playing at all. Um, and, yeah, I guess we can just, like, get into the game. Um Tyrese Halliburton did not put a revenge game on us as we predicted. Um, you know, I guess Wally Zerbiak was really in his head. Um, only at 15, 3, and 7. So, yeah, you know. To like to like emphasize how much Wally was in his this, he did a press tour. He did a press tour for this game. He was on the Woj pod. He had the whole interview with like um Taylor Rooks. Nick, yeah, Taylor Rooks. Mans was doing a press tour for this game specifically because he thought this was going to be his breakout game, and he did nothing but pass the ball. He did nothing. He did nothing that game to make you assume that somehow what Wally said was false. Like, I I do not care about Darius Halliburton, and this is coming from a place of hate, pure hatred. I don't care. Um, He looked pedestrian. He looked scared. Why not? Well, I think that's a, I think that's a credit to our defense um, on him um, and with with Grimes more specifically. I mean, shout out to Grimes. I, I shout out his offense, his big his big plays down the stretch. But I think his defense was also pretty good on Tyrese Halliburton, as it was in their first matchup um, versus the Pacers. So you know, that's you know something to be encouraged by by Grimes. And, you know, continue to see how how like it 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 should encourage Knicks fans to not put a ceiling on him. And, you know, not limit what he can do because, you know, we see what Grimes is able to do night in, night out. I mean, the numbers are there, too. I mean, when you look and see, um, I think there's like this stat that like points out like matchup like difficulty and like Grimes usually has like the most diff- he has. He often has the most difficult matchups um, compared to his peers in the NBA. Um, and he's also excelling at, at it too. So, you know, that's just something to be further encouraged by by Grimes and shout out to him for, you know, stifling Tyrese Halliburton and not ha- letting him drop, you know, 40 on us in the garden in a comeback effort. So it's also insanely easy to stifle Halliburton when he doesn't want to drive or like do anything that involves him getting contact and he just wants to mix it up in the perimeter and then miss step back threes. What a fraud, dude. Man, like anybody who really genuinely thinks that Brunson is a bit like a worse player than Tyrese Halliburton needs to get their eyeball checked and stop watching box scores. God, Sudowoodo is not top 20. Whatever the ringer list wanted to tell me. This is just my Halliburton soliloquy. I need to get this off my chest because I have not liked him since the draft process. And every time we beat him, I feel vindicated. Now we can continue with the show. 
<laughs> I thought Grimes did a really good job on him. Um, I'm not quite as down on Halliburton as Tyrese is in general. Loser! I thought, I thought Grimes is excellent on him. Um, I feel like the, the theme of this show and something that um, was really uh, – like really highlighted at the end of this game is how tough a decision Thibodeau is going to have to make every night deciding between, you know, two, he has to choose every night, two of RJ Grimes and quickly. Um, and I mean, before Grimes came back in, neither him or quickly was really having a great game. They were like three for nine and four for nine before Grimes hit those two late shots. Um, and we'll get more into it. I'm sure there will be some comments about it. But the problem for me isn't the decision Thibodeau made. I mean, I get people who wanted to see Grimes. I'm, I'm of course, always going to be fine with that. Grimes is a really good basketball player. Um, but I do think I do think Thibodeau likes Quickly's, like, secondary creation. I think he, like, when the play breaks down at the end of the game, he trusts quickly to make something out of nothing more than he trusts Grimes if they blitz Brunson or something. And we saw that a few times he created, you know, a layup for himself over Goga and he created multiple threes um, for teammates. But if you go back and look at the six, about the six minute mark, um, which is probably Grimes played the whole third quarter. So that's probably when he would re-enter the game. If he was going to re-enter the game around the six minute mark, if he had re-entered for quickly, Grimes would have played 35 minutes and quickly would have played 19 minutes. And then nobody else off the bench would have played more than nine minutes. There aren't injury excuses anymore. This is our rotation the rest of the season. And if Thibodeau thinks that he's going to play Mitch Randall, Brunson, RJ 39 minutes a night, every game, this isn't sustainable. You have to shorten shifts. You have to rotate and you have to mix and match players. That is the only path forward. Um, and yeah, I don't want to rant about it too long. I just wanted to get that part of it off my chest because there are multiple rotation issues that I had. But it's just, if, if Quickly had been mixed and matched better and played more minutes with you know other people and the, the minutes were more balanced, it would have been an easier decision to make. Instead, it was, okay, well, I like quickly. Am I going to play him the last 16 minutes of this game or am I going to go back to Grimes? And it can't just be that decision every night. You have to, you have to be willing to experiment with lineup combinations more. And I feel like that really hurt us tonight. I think the guys got tired down the stretch and this is just the beginning. We've got 40 more of these games. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw down the stretch guys like shots were short. Shots were, like, really short at times. Um, the defensive effort wasn't always there um, in that fourth quarter. Like, guys were just gas. And that's what happens when you run guys into the ground. I mean, you see RJ on his first game back playing 40 minutes. There's no need for that, and there's no absolute, like, reason for that at all. Like, like we have the players that are there that can, you know, subsidize that, you know, that can minimize that. Um, I mean, I, he had a great game, but I think part of why his shooting numbers look the way he did is because, you know, later in the game, you know, shots aren't falling because, you know, not only is he just getting 
back to being acclimated onto the court, but like he's playing almost like 42 minutes in his first game back. It's ridiculous. Um, I could be wrong, but wasn't he at one point like seven for 11? He was, he was like he was, really, like, he was like really 12. efficient. He was six to 12 and then finished three of 11. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Um, still, I, I, you can miss me with any RJ criticism for the reason Sam just said. Like, dude hasn't played an NBA game in three, two, two, in two or two or three weeks. Yeah. And now he's just supposed to hop back out there and play 41 minutes. Like, and I don't even, and to me, it's not even about the, overall minutes toll it's just the lack of creativity with how you dev without with how you dole out those minutes because you, you just have to you can't just play your starters the first nine minutes of the first and third quarter there's no path forward with that you're you're already dug in the hole you have to you have to just get guys in quicker you have to shorten shifts it's how you get more people's feet into the game like watch any other basketball game. Watch teams that are way better than the Knicks are, and don't even have as much depth as the Knicks do. I know that Deuce wasn't good tonight, but like, there's no reason Obi's playing nine minutes tonight. That's the other problem I had. The other team didn't have a center tonight. Hardenstein has been terrible recently. Get Obi in with Randall. It's not hard. Like they're not gonna kill you. I promise you. I promise you, they're not gonna kill you. If you're not willing to to put Obi in with Randall for the last few minutes of the first or the third quarter against Isaiah Jackson, trade him right now. Like, just trade him. The front office has to be aware of that. They have to just be like, we're never getting a return on this guy's value ever. Get him, like, get somebody else who he'll play, who he can play with Randall, because this is pointless. Yeah. You know, like, I think the front office knows that at this point. I don't think they're going to trade him mid-season because you don't want to win clouds mid-season. But I do think that, like... I don't think he's going to win the team starting next season. Um, I feel very confident in saying that. Uh, and not because I have sources or anything like that. I'm not sure. But I, I just feel confident in saying that, like, yeah, they're probably going to find a deal because, like, they have the two picks. They have the MLE if need be. They have a bunch of expiring salary. Like, they're going to find somebody who could just give you 15 minutes a night behind Randall and could potentially play with Randall as well. So... Yeah. Um, oh well. I mean, I mean, let's get into this game because I mean, we didn't really talk about like why we are in the mood that we are in despite a win. Um, I mean, what were the Knicks up by? What twenty five at one point in 25, this game? Twenty five. So if you were living under a rock and weren't tuned into this game, Knicks were up by twenty five at one point in this game. As you can see by the final score, that did not last quite long. Um, I tweeted in the second quarter that I, I am nowhere near comfortable with this game, like not even close. And lo and behold, end of the third quarter happens and not even end of the third quarter, like midway through the third quarter, you start seeing like the team, just like the offense falls flat, like defensively, they're not there. The lead starts crumbling down to like. I want to say like 14-ish. It's in that 14-12-ish range for like the, the the latter part of that third quarter. Second quarter comes, I mean, not second quarter, fourth quarter comes, TJ McConnell just like starts like going crazy or whatever. Um, and then, you know, Buddy Hill starts hitting shots and then it's just like, oh, now we're in a, a game now. Like we're in a, like a legit game. And I mean, 
what what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, cough my lungs out. Tom Thibodeau needs to be investigated for crimes against basketball. I just like there's no way this team can build up twenty point leads ad nauseum and we're playing crunch time minutes against the Pacers second triggers without their two best players. At some point, like you have to acknowledge like, this is a coaching issue. It's coaching malpractice. We saw it last year with that stretch. We saw it two days ago. And the only reason why this team didn't lose is because we're not playing the championship level Bucks. Um they were down, they were up two at one point. I get it was a wire to wire win, but like they should not have been up to against TJ McConnell, Ben Mather, and Buddy Heald, and two guys in the court whose names I don't remember off the top of my head right now. That should have never happened. Goga Bataz Day. Sure, whatever. It was Goga, uh, Isaiah Jackson, Matherin, TJ McConnell, and Duarte, buddy. and and then Buddy, and yeah, and Buddy. Yeah. And granted, so, TJ McConnell is like the goat Nick killer, and. <laughs> Absolutely deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame just off his Nick accolades alone. But, like, come on, man. Like, you cannot – I don't know what happened because, like, they were just missing shots and then, like, they just got back out and poorly and they just – like, this cannot keep happening, especially at home. Like, at home you're supposed to be a very consistent team. You're supposed to be comfortable and somehow, some way, even though the lead was 20 throughout the third – um through most of the third quarter – they just started chipping away slowly and slowly, and it just kind of felt like you knew it was going to happen. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm just yeah. At a certain point, it's not random. Like, yeah, Buddy Heald hit that ridiculous four point play, but okay, like that—that's four points. There was a twenty five point lead, and you have to start trying to contextualize what is happening here, because. The, Good, like bad teams don't consistently build 20 point leads. The Knicks are clearly a good team. Um, but the next step is maintaining those leads, or just like you know, if you're going to lose a little bit, giving a little bit back, not giving all of it back. And so, you have to just start trying to figure out what the source of the issue is. And you see, from a process standpoint, the game starts moving slower and they look tired like they just and that's gonna happen if every night like Tibbs the best thing about Tibbs is also the worst thing about Tibbs and that's that he wants you to die for every possession the way he dies for every possession and that's how he gets maximum effort but like it's also how you get third quarter stretches where guys just don't have it anymore if you want people, if you want every possession to be maximized and you want guys to give max effort as much as they can, then the only path forward is shortening shifts. That's the only way you can do it. Teams don't substitute like this anymore. Like it's like Tibbs thinks it's still 2010 when LeBron was playing the whole first quarter. Like look at how smart teams go look at Giannis's shift. Giannis is one of the first subs out of the game for the Bucks every night. He comes out of the six-minute mark. in mo- He didn't against the Knicks because every team treats the Knicks like it's the NBA Finals. But for the most part, Giannis is coming out in the middle of the first, and then he starts the second and fourth quarter. And then he comes out again, and then he comes back in. Giannis plays three short shifts every half. That is his standard rotation. 
And that is how Budenholzer maximizes Giannis because he knows Giannis for six minutes at a time, three times is better than Giannis for nine minutes at a time, two times. And that's going to be the same for every player. So you got to start getting these guys more efficient in their shifts or else the games are going to keep looking like this. Oh, man. It's just the same situation, the same song and dance, the same discussion over and over again. And he's able to get away with it because the team is good enough to where, like, they're going to win games in spite of his mistakes. Like, I understand best coach since Mike Woodson. I understand, you know, he's done a lot for the franchise. The team is winning. Like, bars in hell, of course. Like, they're... they're, Don't, they're, Don't underestimate Mike Miller, guys. That guy guy got peak Frank, 20 and 10 out of Frank. If you can get 20 and 10 out of Frank, you're a good coach. True. But like at some point, man, like we got to understand the fact that even though he's great, the J in his name doesn't stand for Jesus because like we can move on. I promise we can move on. Like if they can move on from Dwayne Casey and Mark Jackson and Doc Rivers has been fired and passed around a bunch and, all of these coaches who were good, like, were moved around at some point and moved on from, you can move on from Tom Thibodeau. I, I guarantee you can move on from Tom Thibodeau, and you can get somebody who's willing to try more, who's willing to experiment more, who's willing to run more lineups with um, different strengths and weaknesses. And it just feels like we're doing the same song and dance over and over again. And I cannot understand why three years in, we haven't changed the formula. Yeah. And if, yeah. if oh, I'm sorry, Sam, you go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm probably going to start coughing. I was just going to say, like, what we saw today is what we're going to see going forward. There's, uh, until something happens, until, like, you know, somebody inevitably gets injured, which somebody will. Like, somebody's going to get injured. That's going to happen. Um, it sucks, but it's just the nature of the league. And, we will be unprepared for that moment because not enough guys play together. Like Deuce was rough tonight. Deuce was, Deuce was, he was getting, he got beat defensively by McConnell multiple times in really short minutes. Um, He had a top of the key three that he passed on and then dribbled that. I mean, that's what got him pulled eventually is Tibbs was furious after that, which rightfully so you're you're on the court, shoot the freaking ball. Um, but he's in the rotation. Like either you trust him to play or you don't. You can't. You can't just trust six guys. That's crazy. And like I, at the end of the day, it appears that Tibbs really only trusts six guys right now. And there's no path forward to that. And like some people will say, like, oh well, I guess this is when we make a trade. But like, I don't know. What does Malik Beasley do for this franchise going forward? Like, I'm not, I'm, that's not Malik Beasley shade. He's a good player, but I just mean like there's a path forward that is actually reasonable with this rotation, just getting more out of this rotation. And Tyrese said the last game, like, it, it feels like there's meat on the bone here that we're just going to keep leaving 
un unshoot. Like we're just gonna keep. We're not coming close to maximizing this. Like it's like those wings that you see where like people were just like eating the oh, part of the wings. Oh my god! Where, like, and they got like forty percent of the meat left over. This one oh. it feels like this team. Where it's like you know you got you ate the wing. Like you know you achieved the purpose. But, it's like, like a nibble. Like you could have you could have like fit in there and not not on the board and stuff. And it's just like. I hate those wings. This is what the, this is what the 2022-2023 next feel like. They're, we just have, we just leaving meat on the wing and we ain't no one on the bone. That's what really it is. Cause like one thing about like these these games where we blow in leads, these are opportunities where we can like buy time for players to like actually rest in game. Like you put the you put this team away going up like 30, 35 in the third midway through the third quarter, that buys your guys a, at least your starters at least at least 15 16 game minutes which is like 20 to 25 to 30 actual minutes they should have played the fourth quarter tonight they should not have played the fourth quarter yeah tonight. no starter should have been in the game in the fourth quarter we should have see, been seeing Svee and Ryan Archie Diakono on the court today i should have seen a Svee poster today and we should have been tweeting about like how the hawk how the um the pacers suck and on the hawks up cuz the hawks up but like we should have been kicking back, feet up, and instead I'm sweating the game out. Like, yeah, it's insane. Um, but, but, but Tibbs also like creates a self fulfilling prophecy. Like he wants to only trust his starters. He wants to build a foundation where like he rides his starters, and you see it with quickly. Like I tweeted about it before the game. Everyone's always so shocked that like quickly hops in the starting lineup and all of a sudden like you shot 50% from three over the last eight games as a starter. I know that's not like the biggest sample size, but like we all have eyeballs. We watch him out there. He looks more comfortable, obviously, because when you play more and you play more consistently, anyone who's played basketball will tell you, you get a flow and a feel for the game. When guys like Deuce and guys like Obi who've played basketball their whole lives play four minutes in the first half and then sit down for 35 minutes. It's insane to just toss him back out there and be like, Oh yeah, good luck. Like go, go do your best. Go get like, some rhythm. I, yeah, exactly. Like I know there are professional basketball players and they're supposed to, but you're already starting them at a disadvantage. Whereas if they got a couple of short shifts in the half, I'm not asking Obi to play 15 minutes a half, but if you played him a couple of four minute shifts in a half, all of a sudden, you let him get multiple feet, multiple chances to get his feet into the game, get his hands on the ball, shoot. You know, that's how you establish rhythm. That's how you get the whole team going, because it's not going to be just these six guys staying healthy playing forty. Like it never works that way. And it's just, even if that was p possible, which it, uh, even if that did happen, it's not like good for the franchise long term because we know this team isn't winning a championship this year. So like. What are you building towards? What are we trying to do as a group here? Yeah. It's just, like, I don't know what we're doing as a group, and it kind of feels like they're going to make a trade because they kind of need to count. Like, I feel like this front office is going to make a trade, and I'm not saying they shouldn't make a trade, but, like, they're going to make a trade to counteract the fact that, like, Tom Thibodeau is basically nuking a lot of lineups. Um and we already saw like some trade uh, rumors come out today. Between Gary, actually, Trent. Gary Trent, Malik Beasley. So like you can see the type of player that they're looking for clearly, which is like shooter, shooter. Um, Gary Trent probably the more luxury version of it, and Malik Beasley probably more of like the flyer guy. But like 
you can tell like this front office is looking for another piece because they feel like they need another piece. But I don't really think they need another piece as much as they just need somebody who can like coach the team better and um, stagger more lineups and get more guys at a flow. But I don't, I don't know. Um. All right. So before we get into everybody's favorite part of the show, uh, Sam, can I say one more thing? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Before you hop in, before Grimes checked back in at the end of the game. Quickly and Grimes, despite being two of the six guys who had played basically the majority of the game, had shared the court for seven minutes together. Like, I know Quickly's not starting, so, you know, it's hard for... But we saw that payoff at down the stretch, like how good a chemistry they, they have. This is the type of chemistry that bench guys and starters can build together if they're just allowed to play these moments together. That's the kind of thing you want to be building. Like... <laughs> You're not trying to just establish a foundation of one thing anymore. That was two years ago. That was when the team was, the franchise was in the gutter. The franchise isn't in the gutter anymore. We have a lot of, we have good talent. We have good young players. We need to be mixing and matching. The, the goal now is trying to raise the feeling, raise the ceiling and trying to figure out what is the best version of this team. It's not, I know the best version. We're just going to do one thing and ram it into the ground. That is just, it's just killing this team. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I just added their minutes. <coughs> Crazy. No, it's all good. Um, so yeah, I just want to go through each starter and like at least point out at least one positive thing from their um their game today. Um so like Brunson, I mean, what more can you say about Brunson? I think it's I think it's really obvious at this point. Like usually this January stretch is where like players usually make their mark in terms of the um, all-star campaigning. Um, and I think he's making a pretty strong impression. I mean, since he's come back from injury, he's dropped like what, 32 plus in each game. Yeah. So, he's like, been like, uh, I think he's averaging like 32 and whatever. I can find this. I can find the stats real quick, but like, yeah, he's going crazy. Yeah. I think he's pretty solidified himself as one of the East guards. Um, at least. I, don't think so. I don't think so. The thing is, I, don't, I think he's getting snubbed. Because... I, think, I think this stretch ha- is going to solidify that. I think he's getting a lot of attention from for media people. Um, and, like, coaches are game planning against him every night, and he's still cooking them. So, like, they're responsible for the reserves. I think they're going to show him that respect. Um, and he'll get the... Like the reason Nash won MVP his first year in Phoenix was like the new team boost, you know, like the Knicks missed the playoffs last year. Um, and then combine that with the fact that I think Randall will be held down for basically the opposite reason. Like people are still a little bit hesitant to believe Randall's for real because last year was so bad and the playoffs were so bad. And like, if you just looked at the advanced stats, I think Randall would be an easy pick over Brunson. Like all the numbers like Randall over Brunson. But for everything Sam said, I think that the fact that the coaches control it and that the Knicks are going to be not even like they're probably going to be a top six seed or they could be. They they have a chance to be a top six seed at the All-Star break. I think Brunson's going to get that credit and get that boost. I can see it. I I can see. I think they're going to get at least one, which is good because the Knicks is over an All-Star. I think there's a strange reality where they might get two. Cause like the East front court sucks. Like who is in the East front court? That's the thing. Like it's it's Giannis, Katie, Tatum, Embiid, 
Siakam, you're probably going to have to put in there at some point. And then afterwards, you have, like, basically two spots. And nobody has an argument over, like, maybe Jimmy Butler? Like, that's kind of it. <coughs> or Bam. Yeah, He's I been on a good stretch recently. Butler definitely gets in. Yeah, like, coaches yeah. love that guy. Yeah, so I can I can see it basically being like Butler and then Randall and then like, but for the guards, I think the guards are too tight because like you have maybe Garland's like slipping out of it, but like of course Halliburton's going to be in. Um, Harden is on the bubble. You have Jalen Brown as well. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like I just kind of think it's too hard for the like the guards are too stacked, but I feel like. He's probably the first ultimate. Like I think if somebody gets hurt, he's the first ultimate. Like easily. Yeah, there's always the injury reserve thing too. Um, all right, let's get into everybody's favorite part of the show before we get too deep into the NFL. <coughs> God damn, the NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to got my go-to place for wild card. Brown action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. <clears throat> just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good. Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Um, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum agent eligible restrictions apply. See show notes for details. <clears throat> All right. So um, I guess as we, you know, oh, one thing I do want to point out, that we didn't that surprisingly none of us has mentioned um Mitch tonight with defensively um I mean looking at his stocks numbers five steals two blocks I mean was just insane tonight in the passing lanes Tyrese you're you're muted my bad he was incredible uh that was arguably the best defensive game of the season for Mitch I want to say because like he was just the Pacers could not get anything done against them. Like, every bucket the Pacers got on the paint was, like, hard fought. And uh, some of them were questionable touch fouls at best, if you want to call it that. Like, I remember one against Mathurin, but, like, he's basically swatted it, and then he called the fouling late. Um, but, yeah, like, Mitchell Robinson, once again, proving how vital he is to this team's performance. Uh, again, Mitchell Robinson over on assist, cashing, free money. Uh... But yeah, five steals, two blocks. He's almost averaging a steal and two blocks per game. So a three-stock big who's going to lead the league on offensive rebounds one day. Like, what do you do against a player like that? And his contract is descended. Good times. And he also made four straight free throws today before he missed the last two. So everything's coming up Millhouse. And we need to – I feel like we almost, as an organization, don't fully appreciate – how unique what he's doing is because for three years now Thibodeau has just been like okay let's just have a backwards a backup big who can sort of replicate what Mitch does and it's like no nobody can replicate what he does that's the whole point like that's why he's so good and the answer isn't to just play this guy who's been fragile his whole NBA career basically 
38 minutes against a team who doesn't have a true center. Like I get Mitch is super valuable. And that's what I'm saying, but play him 32 minutes and give Obi the backup center minutes and let Obi go against a small team. Like I don't understand <laughs> double Obi's minutes. That's not a bad thing. They're not going to kill you in those minutes. And it's just, I'm sorry, but you just don't need to play Hartenstein right now especially against a team like this, and you don't need to play Mitch 40 minutes. He's so good that you're not going to get anything close to what he's giving you from anybody else. It's just, it's not going to happen. Shout out to Thibs for finally giving Hartenstein a quick hook. Like, I honestly think he gave him a quick hook simply because Mitch Robinson didn't have any like fouls. Like, that's really it. Yeah, yeah I think so too. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend that, you know, for once that he like did the right thing. To me, me, if you want to give Tibbs roses, it's for his decision to go Randall at the five down the stretch. Yeah, that was actually – oh, I was like, why? That was actually surprisingly very smart for me. He probably should have gone into it sooner, to be honest, too. Yeah, but, like, the fact that he went to it at all, like, beggars can't be choosers here. You know, like, I mean, it shouldn't always – and that's the thing is, like, Mitch is really good, but – he's also the most exploitable player of our six best players. Like he can be game planned out of a game by just going five out and basically ignoring him on offense. Like he'll find ways to make you pay. I'm not saying he's useless, but I am saying that smart teams are going to figure out how to take away all the really good things he does. And when that happens, Thibodeau has to be willing to go to his five best players at that moment. And the fact that he showed that he was willing to tonight, like, that gives you some hope, man. Like, when the Celtics go to a Horford, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Brogdon lineup, and, you know, Horford is just doing that old man YMCA thing, bringing Mitch out into the perimeter. Like, Thibodeau needs to say, okay, Randall can play the five. Randall can guard Horford, and we can go with our five best guys, and we can we can do our best here. Like, and... If you want to be hopeful about one thing tonight, it's that Thibodeau went to that, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some comments because we got a damn lot of comments to get into. So let's get into them. Chris Bernhardt says it's obvious RJ had noodle legs in the late third, fourth, and needed to sit. But Thibs keeps him out there because you can't mess with rotations that are foolproof down the stretch. Also, Halliburton equals fake all star. That one's for you, Wally Zerbiak. Preach it. Um, let's see what other comments we got. Brian Benjamin says, going to run Brunson to the ground, just like D-Rose. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be a way we can dispel his minutes where, like, he is not playing, like, that, that many. But, like, man, it feels like this team just, like, crumbles sometimes. Like, certain games, it feels like they just crumble when he's not on the court. Which they shouldn't be because Emmanuel Bickley gives you a lot of creation value himself. But is Thibs going to enable him to do that in those moments? That's the thing. Exactly. But on like a night like tonight, when Brunson has it going, which he did, obviously, from the start, RJ had it going, and Randall didn't. Like, I, I thought, I thought for the second straight game, Randall kind of played bad but also like in an admirable way i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm being nicer because we're not winning we're not losing but i just thought that randall did a lot of good things in big moments but on the block the, was huge 
Yeah, the block was huge. He hit a huge three. He hit that end of shot clock bank shot when to stop the bleeding. There were just a couple of moments that felt big, and Randall was kind of in the middle of a lot of them. But when that's happening, you have to be willing to adjust to the information in front of you. And like, I hate just bringing it back to Tibbs, but there's a world where we start the second quarter with Randall with the bench. You know, like it doesn't always have to be quickly RJ in the bench. It can be. Oh, Randall doesn't have it going right now. Let's get Obi in there quicker. And let's, you know, let's let's mix some things up. Like, ah <laughs> oh, man, if you look at the Knicks lineup data, no team has a more absurd, like their top two lineups get all their minutes. And that's it. There's no discrepancy. There's no versatility at all. It's just he just rams these lineups into the ground and it's just not good. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye for 20 says, though, however, I can't even blame Thibs that much. These dudes had piss running down their shorts once the Pacers adjusted. Halliburton dipped, and the New York Knicks fumbled the lead versus a trap defense. True. Like, the thing is, like, I still can blame Tibbs, but I also realized that, like, they're partly it's because Tibbs is coaching them this way, but it also kind of feels like they themselves are just, like, succumbing to the pressure and luckily garage hit that three that put the game away but like the foul on buddy healed um like the brunson turnover that gogo like slipped out of bounds with like the um the turnover from tj mcconnell at half court when they're trying to inbound the ball like that's not coaching that's just like a lot of mental mistakes that shouldn't be happening down the stretch of games especially against the pacers playing their second stringers so not fun to see, but I think I think they are also like cognizant, like they need to clean some things up. So I hope they're able to do it, but I also do not trust this coach. So I'll say it like Brunson is the guy who whose hands I want the ball in, like when we need a basket down the stretch. I think quick I think quickly is our most trusted, like he's not gonna turn it over guy. Like he he now has the lowest turnover percentage on the team. And, like, he definitely seems the calmest and most collected in these moments when everything around him is scrambling and he just sort of, like, keeps his head in the game. Like, I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that quickly, that, that's a big reason why Tibbs likes quickly out there. I do like the idea, though, that, like, he, tri- like, down the stretch, a lineup of JB, IQ, QG, um, Julius, and... Um, RJ, like that feels like a very good small ball lineup. I feel like you have enough defense to make that work, and there's enough passing and shooting and spacing for it to work. And I would like to see it more. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the first time we saw that lineup all year. I don't think I don't think there's any lineup bit on it, right? Um, I'll check. I I agree. I would be surprised if we've seen it, but um, and I agree with you that we should see it more going forward because. Yeah, like I said, I mean, that's I, – I know Mitch is, like, one of their most valuable players, but that could be their five best players. I'm muted. Just realized I'm muted. <laughs> um, but, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's a combination. I mean, it's like the team has developed, like, bad habits in these moments when the lead is crumbling due to the way that they've been coached. So, like – it's like a symbiotic thing where like 
you blame the coach, but you also blame the players, but you blame the players because of the coach, because of the way they've been coached. So it's like they go together. Yeah, it's some, it, it really is symbiotic, like you said. And I just also part of the Jajante Murray stinker and the Jalen Brunson better than Jajante Murray discourse is picking up steam. It's a great night. It's a great night. All right, let me pick him the up. answer is yes, by the way. He's better, he's better than Jalen Brunson. Sorry, he's better than Dejounte Murray. And anybody who literally thought that like the Knicks should have traded two picks and another protected first for him was snorting. Um, so we have um... uh, Hawkeye420. Uh, is the top 10 net rating stuff fraudulent? Once the shots don't fall for number 30, the ISO ball game plan isn't as effective. Once again, zero ball movement led to a close game. Is that Tibbs? Is it the players? Uh, Sam, what do you think? Um, that's a very interesting question. I would say, um, yeah, I mean, I I've always wondered like, how are we still top ten in not in net rating? Um, aren't we like top five in net rating? Top ten. We're top ten. Yeah. Okay, so I, I've always wondered, like, how are we top 10 in net rating? And, like, you watch the games and, like, the second – I think it's because our first halves are, like, so, like, dominant. Like, I, I saw today, like, the point differential for each quarter for the Knicks. And, like, once it gets, like, the third and the fourth quarter, it's, like, totally in the negative point differential. Like, the the, 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 two, the first two quarters are, like, excellent. Like, they're, like, what, like, contending teams do to teams – that they should be doing. Um, but then when you get to second half, it's like, holy shit. Like, this is like 2017, 18, like, Knicks level shit. Like, it's not pretty at all. Um, and it's just like, it's a result of everything that we've been complaining about with Thibs, the way he runs things with the team, the way things flow, like, all of that stuff. Lineups, rotations, staggering. Like, I could go on and on and on. But, like, all of that, it all, like it all snowballs into what we see here, but the top 10 net rating stuff, man, I, I don't know how it's like really like, I mean, like the team does put up numbers like offensively and defensively, they're able to hold their own. So it's like, you kind of see, you can kind of see how, how it holds up and like certain games, they kind of like, I think balance it out. Like some games will be crazy for the numbers where they, they make them jump. Well, some games will kind of like, keep us like in that kind of regress us a little bit in the numbers but i think it all evens out at the end of it i mean to me it makes sense because i mean how many how many games have we lost have the knicks lost that were like blowout losses like the knicks have been almost every game this year save that dallas game at home you know like and then if you look at basketball reference if you look at Pythag wins, like the Knicks are like underachieving by like two or three games this season. So like if you give the Knicks what the advanced metrics think their actual record should be, you know, they're a top 10 team in the league, like by, by record. So it does make sense to me. And I think when Sam said that's an interesting question, it really is an interesting question because once again, like we said at the top of the show, you have to try to contextualize why, the Knicks are top 10 in net rating, but are fighting for the sixth seed and why they regress as each quarter goes on. And 
I think there's something very obvious staring us in the face that we've talked about on this pod for, you know, almost 40 minutes now. And yeah. Yeah. Like they don't get blown out. They win big and they have a good offense and a good defense. Like I think they've only had two, like they've only had like a couple of losses by double digits, eight. And like in those games, they held. I'm pretty sure in all those games since for like the Brooklyn game and the first Phoenix game, they've held the lead. So, yeah, like they're a good team. They just do not execute well down the stretch, and they lose a lot of games as a, as a result. They're bad on the margins. Yeah, they're That's awful on the margins. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Like. Everything else is pretty good, but like once it gets to like the nitty gritty, like minute, like this is where like you need a coach that like really, really pays attention to details and really is like paying attention to what works for his team. That's where we fall short. And once they like have that twenty twenty one run where like they basically cleared up a bunch of the details, I wouldn't be surprised if they just broke off like eight out of ten consistently, like because this team can absolutely do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, you have a 20 point lead every freaking game. You should win eight out of 10 sometimes. It's yeah, so like, I, like, they've had a lead in 17 out of the last 18 games in the fourth quarter. And they've been, they were, they're like now six and six in their last 12 games. And they have like a plus minus of like, they had a plus minus of 53 before this game. And it'll probably be a plus minus of like 57 or 58. Like, now, ma- now imagine if you're able to like close out these games. Now if they close out these games, they probably be like the fourth seed. Yeah, which sucks because it's like this team should not be again fighting for the play-in, and once it clicks, man, like that's the problem. Like you can clearly see the like the makings of a team that just boat races everybody, and then they just like play prevent defense in the third quarter, and then they just like they let the team back in. Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just saw a comment by Hawkeye for twenty. He said. Wally and Rebecca are celebrating. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know that like Wally's gonna be like he's feeling himself right now, and he was right. He he, he was right. You can say Tyrese Halliburton is. You can say he's like he's a good player, man, but like. The overrating of Halliburton in the season has been like bar none the worst. It's season. it's it's all it's all like the you know, you know the type of people on Twitter and like the blog sites and stuff that like that are like gonna over exaggerate his. They're saying he's top twenty. I know twenty. I, I saw the ringer list. Like Jalen Brunson was fifty one. By the way, if you for anyone wondering that. Tyrese Halliburton is a top 20 player and Jalen Brunson is barely top 50. Yeah. The Knicks would be worse if you were this season if you had replaced Halliburton with Brunson. I don't even think it's close. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Because straight up, Halliburton is the benefit from five out spacing and dudes who can do stuff off the dribble without his involvement. Like, he is in the perfect situation for him usage wise, in the perfect situation for him team construction wise. If you told him, hey, we're going to make you have to make this work with Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle prior to this season starting, and R.J. Barrett's facing, like, he would have folded. Like, he would have absolutely folded, and we would, you would look at clowns. Like, 
Halliburton is a fine player in his own right, and he's a gifted passer with the ability to do things in the open court. But like in crunch time, half court offense, I don't trust him. Not in a not for and not in a not by a lot of offense. Like Miles Turner being there is super important for his ability to pass. And not to mention the fact like they run a ton, they generate a lot of turnovers, and they're a really good fast break team. So like. It's easy to get assists when you're running the quarter bunch and you're jacking up threes and you're running five out. Like, do it when the game is slowed down and do it when you have to be able to do it in, like, half-court settings and you need to get two feet in the paint. You can't do that. As consistently as someone like Jalen Brunson. Yeah. Jeff, you want to take this comment? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Knicks are the only team in the league with a worse home record than road record Jeez. Um, is that actually true yeah it is wow yeah. wow i didn't know the uh knicks have i know that they're worse at home than the road but the fact that they're the only team in the league that's crazy wow i mean maybe we should be in like this spot in the playoffs like start on the road you know take two on the road dude i'm telling you I'm t- team dude we'd end up winning in six <laughs> like give, give us the self like oh that's so Give us like okay the Bucks, we beat the Bucks in six. If we if we like we beat the Bucks in six just because we started the first two games on the road. Tell I me. think we I I I feel comfortable right now saying that I think we'd beat the Cavs in a series. Yeah, I think we beat the Cavs. I think we beat the Bucks. Now Brooklyn and Philadelphia, no, but like I think the Cavs and the Bucks, we could definitely like beat or like at least give those guys like a six game series. I think we get smoked by Boston and Brooklyn. Just absolutely smoked. Like, it would just be one of those never-ending ball down a hill. Every game was a friggin' onslaught. Just misery. I think we'd give Philly a fight, uh, but I think that Philly would beat the Knicks in, like, six or seven. And I think we could beat Cleveland and Milwaukee. Yeah, like, I just—Milwaukee is just such a weird team, man. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is a really weird team, and I don't trust Cleveland at all. I think Cleveland is. I think there's a way you can beat Cleveland, and I don't think that someone like Mobley and Allen can do enough against our forecourt. I will say one thing that would terrify me about playing Cleveland, and like Sam the Gambler will understand this. Everybody and their friggin' mother will, would line up to get behind the narrative of laughing at the Knicks for losing a playoff series to Mitchell. Like that dude shooting 15 free throws a night in a playoff series against the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think that would be that would be a fun series to see, like, you know, the books be heavy on the Cavs. Or like not even the books, but like fans be heavy on the Cavs. Like everyone's parlays would be like Donovan Mitchell, like plus 40 and the Cavs to win every game. And it would be like so funny to see the Knicks just like ruin that and just like see all these like cappers on, on Twitter just like losing their minds. Like, how the hell did the Cavs lose this? Like I mean uh, it would have been great. It would be great. But that would be like the perfect Knicks like point guard saga where it's like, yeah, we passed up on Halper, we got somebody better. We passed up on DeJounte Murray. He's languishing in Atlanta, and they have to pay him a max. Oh, my God. They have to pay him a max. Oh. <laughs> and then, like, to get to the final boss of, like, Donovan Mitchell, and even if Donovan Mitchell has, like, a great series, they still win because, like, it's Darius Garland and Evan Mobley's first time in, like, a playoff setting, and they just, like, crap the bed. Like, my heart would be full. 
my Twitter fingers would be happy. It would be um it would be God, what's the word? Like cathartic, I guess, because yeah. all, we, all we've heard all season is how like imagine if this team had Donovan Mitchell with no nuance to it, no understanding that like okay gaining donovan mitchell would be good but losing the players you're not just adding donovan mitchell to a 23 and 19 team it doesn't really work like that yeah yeah so all the other assets and stuff you had to give up for it um all right let's get to another comment let's see um ace bouchard good question yeah he says why were we playing drop off of buddies pick and rolls in the fourth um I mean, I didn't see that. I saw, I saw, um, I know. I saw guys going like heavy, like on the over of the, of the screen, which like looked like he was getting a lot of contact on the threes, which led to like RJ getting the foul on that four point play. But like, our, like Buddy was just like straight pulling off of screens. Like, and like guys were just like contesting as best as they could running to the side of him. Um, he had some bullshit shots. He missed some shots really badly, but you know, he put up 31 on us. So there's that. So I feel like the next step in Tibbs's evolution is letting, um, is letting, uh, Mitch switch like he does with Randall. Cause Randall switched onto Buddy a few times. Like you, you saw Randall sliding with Buddy. Um, I do agree that there were some times that Buddy was allowed to walk, just walk into some threes. But when it came to Randall specifically, that's what I was thinking when I was first reading the question from Ace, is Randall definitely, you know, got switched onto him a few times and was allowed to switch. Um, I think that Tibbs just doesn't trust the bigs, uh, especially Hardenstein, but not even Mitch yet, to fully switch. And so I think that's why he sticks to drop. I wish he wouldn't, but... That's that's his scheme. Unfortunately, it is. For better or for worse. I just like I, dropping a buddy heel makes no sense, but whatever. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see what other comments we got. Jordan Bob says, well, he's first, he says Thibs rotations will cost us in the playoffs or play in definitely play. in. I think would be even more catastrophic because it's like a one game and you're out type of deal. And like, we're seeing in every single game, like we are in situations every night, basically where it feels like a play in game. Like we are like, it is tight down the stretch we are like we just gave up a big lead. We are trying to win at home. Like that's what the play on. That's what the play is gonna feel like. And if we can't like pull through that or push through that, like it's gonna be very rough for us. And we're gonna get eliminated and not even have a chance at the playoffs. Like very easily. Bill's if it comes to that. Bill's character, ice. Wait, what? <laughs> Tom Thibodeau like, it builds characters for making you oh, these leads, Jesus. you know, so you know how it feels down the stretch. Your, uh, your Tim's voice was too good. I thought you said Bill's character. I was like, who the hell is Bill? <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, you're, I, it, it's funny that you say that actually, cause I was actually going to pose that question to you guys. I was going to be like, do you think it's good that like, we're going through this now that we're learning through these brutal experiences to sort of like, 
on one hand, as long as it's not killing the season, playing these tight games is kind of good if you're going to make the playoffs. It is. It's just like, are you going to learn from your mistakes that you're making now in that situation then? Because if not, then it's just like, all right, we're just like preparing ourselves to just like lose in a different way. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. That's fair. I, I just do not want a situation. Like, I just cannot imagine this team losing twice in the play-in if they get if they even end up there because i don't think they're gonna end up there but like man if it's a, if this team was just twice in the plan like you have to go scorch thirds on the roster like on the roster but like on the um front office really like you gotta go scorch thirds dude what what are you talking about i mean well, if you, you think we've reached that point you think if they lose in the plan it's blown up twice i mean not the roster but the front office yeah because at that point, like, that's bad, man. Like, the coaching has to go. Like, uh, I, I think that might be, like, a Dolan moment. That might be a Dolan moment. Are the expectations within the organization really that high? That would surprise yes. me. They want to make the playoffs. They want to, but I, I don't think they I think they think they're a playoff team. And, like, we saw the leagues coming out early in the season when the team was losing, where there were, like, 37 wins is an improvement. And, like, sure, if they're, like, 43 wins, but you lose twice in the playoffs, both games at home. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, if you get specifically the seven seed and then lose two playing games, I agree that would be a bad look. Yeah, but even if you're, like, the eighth seed, like, it's two games to get one chance. Yeah. Like, it would be bad. Especially if you've been, like, a top 10 team by all metrics. Yeah, the numbers, like, the numbers suggest that the team should be way better than they are. So if they lose in the play-in, like, that's definitely, like. Because at that point, it's like, okay, the numbers are telling you this. The roster is good. You have two all-star caliber players. You have everything this team needs to win, and you're not winning. Yeah. Like, you would be the Cavs from last year, but the difference is the Cavs were younger. And they had a whole bunch of injuries. I mean, we have we've had injuries, too, but, like, they've had, like, they had more, like, Longer term injuries to their like core players, I would say. Yeah, and then what they did was they made the Donovan Mitchell trade in order to like ensure the fact that they wouldn't be in that situation. So like, and I don't know if a trade like that's going to happen on the horizon this year. So that would definitely be, it would be, it would be rough to like take that to double and be like, hey, this is our season, you know, like top ten team until it mattered the most. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess just, I guess it just feels like a good problem to have then because like I mean I think that we all had pretty tempered reservations at the start of the season right like I don't I think if I think if you told any of the three of us you know a couple months ago like ha- at the halfway point we would be saying you better make the playoffs or people are gonna get fired like we that would surprise us don't you think that would have caught us off guard I was saying they have to make the playoffs regardless though I thought this team was gonna be like forty three wins forty four wins all right. I did tweet it. So like, no, I, I, I set my expectations all the way. <laughs> I, I saw the, I saw the brown table and Sam was just like, team ten seed at best. I said thirty seven. I said like thirty seven wins or some shit like that. And I was like, you're wild. Like, you gotta set expectations low. You can't set yourself up to be disappointed. Not with this team. Not anymore. Like at she, worst, I was like, after I jumped out the window for the team last year. If you saw my Strickland roundtable for last season, oh, uh, last I don't you would have thought like I was like euphoric. Last season, I was saying fifty wins. I, I can't, I can't really talk. I can't believe Tibbs 
let us all believe that Kemba Walker was this ginormous upgrade. Like he had us all twerking for no knees Kemba Walker. Oh my gosh. In that week of Kemba. The Kemba Walker that just got cut from Dallas because he's actually cooked. Like their GM literally came out and said his knee is not good and they cut him a few games later. But they gave him 32. He did give him 32 in that one game. So he did. Yep. He gave his whole career for that game, basically. That was brutal by kid. What was kid doing? Like he was like, Yeah, you're gonna you will die for me right now. <laughs> Literally, basically. And <laughs> they didn't even win the game. That was the worst part. Yeah. Like if they won the game, it would have been nice, but like now we have the same record as the Mavericks. So all right. So here's Chris Bernhardt. He asks, or he says, and ask. Yeah. If we get Gary Chen Jr., does Grimes go to the bench? You get a guy who's a career 39% three-point shooter, but you bet you bench your best point of attack defender. I wouldn't mind Gary Chen Jr., but 23 draft capital is a major no-no. Um, I don't think Gary, I don't think Grimes goes to the bench. I don't think Gary Trent Jr. has that type of like rapport or like pedigree in the league to like warrant benching Grimes. Like, anyways, Gary Trent Jr. is like he started off like getting dmps in portland and then he finally started to come off the bench so i think he he's gonna have to suck it up and take it i mean grimes is a better defender than him he's a better like i I would say like attacking off the catch guy than him so yeah i mean i would call his his attack off the catch has been oh my god so good yeah Yeah. it's been amazing um and defensively i mean he's like miles miles ahead of where gary Trent jr is i mean it's not even close I, yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer that Gary Trent Jr. if he get if he comes here, no matter who we trade for, I think they should be coming off the bench. I don't care who it is, and I think they should be able to accept it. Like they don't have that type of pedigree in the league. You're Gary Trent Jr. Like, um, I'll say two things. One, if we trade for Gary Trent Jr. and he starts over Grimes, I'm switching to what Tyrese just said, and everybody needs to be fired. That would be one of the worst decisions of all in the history of the NBA. That would just be awful. Secondly. <laughs> If Tibbs isn't going to, like, let Deuce play through growing pains and isn't going to, like, he's basically just going to play him six minutes in games when he's struggling, Gary Trent Jr. is pretty much exactly what the Knicks need to accomplish what we've been talking about this entire pod. Because you need a guard slash wing that can reprieve both any of the Knicks' three starters on nights he has to Like, you need more versatility off the bench. You need a wing slash guard. And putting Gary Trent Jr. like like you need like an Alec Burks like as as stupid as that sounds you need an Alec Burks type of profile player like someone who can play with Brunson with Grimes with R.J. Barrett you know on on nights he has it going and one of them doesn't have it going it will bring the minutes reprieve we very desperately need because clearly. Tibbs doesn't see that in Deuce. Even if, even if he likes Deuce, even on nights he Deuce has it going, he will only let Deuce take Brunson's minutes. He's not going to go like Brunson Deuce quickly on nights Brunson has on nights Deuce has it going. So the way to reduce the minutes of all three of the Knicks starting big three is to get a guy like Gary Trent Jr. So I like the idea. Um, I just there's no way he can start over Grimes. That would be ridiculous. Uh, so let's get into some cap minutia before I do anything. Um, get nerdy. 
So Gary Trent Jr. is a unrestricted free agent coming up this offseason. Uh, right now he's making 18 18 million, 18, no, $18.5 million this offseason off the top of my head. So they can trade Rose for him and the cap works. Um, I would do the deal if these parameters are met. A, Quickly's minutes are untouched. So that means Quickly's at least getting like 26 minutes a night, if not even more. I think by virtue of contract, you have to get Gary Trent Jr. more minutes than quickly, which I don't agree with, but that's how the politics of the NBA works. And if you're trading for him, you want to resign him. Um, yeah, I don't think you're trading for a rental. Like, if Gary Trent Jr. is going to be traded to this team, Gary Trent Jr. is going to be in this team for, like, the foreseeable future. So you can't give him, like... Well, 20, how old is he? 23. Whoa. Yeah, Gary Trent Jr. is young. He's younger than Obi. Oh, wow. And I think he's about to turn 24, but like, yeah, he's young. So like, he, you get him, he's essentially part of your young. I think he's been in the league for quite some time, though. Yeah, it was only been like, like was he on Portland like 10 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm being sarcastic, but like, I, 23, that blows my mind. That's crazy. Yeah, he was on the Duke team with um, Marvin Bagley. Yeah, wasn't that like? 10? God damn it, man. We're it old. feels like it's forever, but like, yeah. yeah, he was Mitch's draft class. He was the same. He was the same draft class as Mitch and Brunson. Wow. 20, 2018, man. That draft class is generational. But like, so you're acquiring Gary Trent Jr. for the sake of acquiring Gary Trent Jr. because like Mitch was the Knox draft. Yes. Not the Frank draft. Yes, Mitch was the Knox draft. Yeah. Do you, do you remember like I'm like Knox was like the like the Jordan? Yeah, they came in together. That's why they weren't so close to each other. That's why Mitch was number pick, pick number eight. Yeah. My bad. Sorry, sorry, Terry. No, you're good. You're good. So, like, if you're acquiring Gary Trent Jr., you're basically saying Gary Trent Jr. is part of this team moving forward. Okay, that's fine. I'm okay with Gary Trent Jr. being on the team. And then you have to talk about, like, paying him. So, if you're paying Gary Trent Jr., he's going to want to bump from $18 million. I think to be in a safe spot, you might want to go at least 22. Um, contracts are going to get wild. Contracts yeah. are going to get very wild, and the free agency is weak, and somebody's going to pay Gary Trent Jr. If you're acquiring Gary Trent Jr., it needs to be you. I would not be surprised if a team literally just went, okay, we're going to give Gary Trent Jr. four years $100 million. You laugh, but, like, look at some of the contracts. That made, like, look at Anthony Simon's contract, dude. Look at the Lou, look at the Lou Dor contract. Lou Dor got 580 for breathing. No, 585 for breathing. Like yeah, I mean, you saw my reaction on the fucking stream for exactly. the, the Ludor contract. You, <laughs> tell, could I'm you saying, imagine my reaction to the fucking Garrett Trent contract? I mean, I think the healthy number would be a 360, 365. So like twenty, almost twenty two million per year, um, which isn't bad, but like it's essentially a pay bump on Fournier. If you're the thing is, too, Tyrese, you can't be wrong because he's either gonna get that contract or he's gonna bet on himself and take some one year deal. Bingo. So, like, you have to be able to, like, if you're acquiring Gary Trent Jr., Gary Trent Jr. is your sixth man. Or, at the very least, he's getting, like, 28 minutes a night. Guaranteed, because otherwise, why are you acquiring him? And why are you doing rentals if you're the next? Like, you're not good enough to be doing rentals. Um, So, I'm okay with that number. Like, because ultimately speaking, like... What's up? I'm trying to. I'm doing math in my head. So there's, there's 144 minutes from one to three. You could get 
quickly. And if there wasn't a psycho as our head coach, you could get quickly 25 minutes a night, Gary Trent Jr., 25 minutes a night across one through three and still get Brunson, Grimes, and RJ. What does that leave? So if they play, if they play 25 minutes a game each Trent quickly, that leaves um, like 94 minutes or something, 94 minutes. So that's like 32 minutes a night for Brunson, Grimes, and quickly, or Grimes, Brunson, Grimes, and RJ. That's feasible if those are your only five guys who play one through three. Yeah. So like, I would be okay with that. Um, say like, I'm I'm okay with acquiring Gary Trent Jr. It's just a matter of like, are you willing to pay him his next contract? Because their costs are like better for Snoozy as well. Because like, twenty two million dollars is a really good number for matching salary for a max deal player. And you know the front office wants to acquire a star at some point. So could it be a situation where you're like, okay, we don't have to trade RJ Barrett, we could trade Gary Trent Jr. Um, or the flip. Could you be like, okay, we could we can like we could stomach the idea of trading RJ Barrett because now we have Gary Trent Jr. waiting in the wings just in case. Um either or. But like Gary Trent Jr. gives gives this team a lot of options on the court, but also off the court in terms of like team building so i would be okay with it i just do want i don't want to give up any 23 capital i would give up like the 2025 bucks pick and i think that's i don't think they get a better pick than 2025 bucks pick like look at the bucks now they're old like the bucks are old the bucks are starting to break down i get Giannis is good but like that 2025 bucks pick might be really good and i can see a team going like okay we'll give you gary Trent jr um maybe you could throw a camera just like a flyer and you take on somebody like uh, pressures and Shua, I'd be actually okay with that. But like, yeah, uh, if you're a card Grayson Junior, he's gonna be on the team, and I, I, that, I think that's okay because like this team needs another like release valve, especially quickly. So Tyrese, if if you're the Raptors, are are they just tra- is the, is them letting is them trading Gary Trent Junior then basically just saying? We're, we don't think we're going to win this season, and we're definitely not resigning him. So we just want to get something. Is that is that the reason they're trading him? Oh, uh, uh, can you repeat the question? Just like what? Why are the like? Why would the Raptors give up Gary Trent? Like, if you think he's worth what he's going to get in unrestricted free agency, which I don't doubt. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but if he's worth that. Why are the Raptors trading him for what seems like not very much? Like, are they? Suck. they Right, so you're you're saying they're not going to resign him, and they're not. Yeah, they're not going to resign him because you have to think about OG's extension. Um, you're going to be bad. Not to mention, like Fred Bailey, are you going to pay him? Probably not. Maybe maybe not. Like they can't run this team back, and realistically, they need to get like an actual lead ball handler. And Gary Trent Jr. might just be a, a cause of like you know what, get value here because like we're not. You can't pay him and then get better, like. I don't think you could run this team back four out of five of those guys and then like get try to get a new ball handler. Like you need to get some kind of assets somewhere. And Malakas is not the answer for that team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're like if they keep free falling through the standings, they might just like trade Gary Turn Jr. and be like, get, let's just get an asset and try to regroup for next year. I mean, if the Knicks traded for Gary Trent Jr. and gave up draft picks and people out of the rotation. So the rotation tomorrow was our starting lineup, quickly, Gary Trent Jr., Obi, and Sims. With all the draft capital we'd have left over, 
if you had a coach who would be more democratic with his rotations and more versatile, more versatile, this is a freaking team going forward. Yeah. Like they'd be in a spot where they would be able to trade for a star because the reasons you said, like Gary Trent Jr. is a great salary to match a star's contract. And all of a sudden we would have a bunch of young guys who look really like promising to other teams. Not to mention they would still have two picks in the draft. Right. Like, so you can legitimately feel comfortable going if like if there was a way where you could like know Gary Trudeau were signing, even if you like if you could do that and then like be at be free to trade your 2023 picks, like the team building opportunity that Gary Trudeau presents as a cap nerd is like really, really good. It's just a matter of like, can you satisfy Gary Trudeau, the player, with your rotations, with your minutes? And can you sell him with the idea of like, okay, you might be coming off the bench, but you might be the sixth man who starts, maybe. I don't even know if you can guarantee that because quickly he's playing so well. And it, if you can sell him on that, then like you have a really good package moving forward because you can get a star and you're going to have to give up RK Barrett. Or quickly. Like yeah. You can build a package around Gary Richard Jr. and like picks and all their salary for like Fournier. So... And that's because of the contracts that Brunson and Randall signed, because those guys are outperforming their contracts because you can afford a deal like this. And I don't even think they would be touching the salary, um, the luxury tax. Like maybe you would have to trade hard to a team. Oh no, but like at most it costs you like a second. So like the team building opportunity that that presents is so massive that like I kind of just wanted to do it just for the sake of. They should probably do it because, like, value-wise, it's such a good value if you could get it for, like, the Bucks 2025 pick because that's probably the pick that I would, like, most willing to give up. Cool. That was my that was, that was, cap. That was really – yeah, that was really informative. Yeah, thanks for that. Um. All right. Let me see what other comment we have here. So Virgil X had asked, can Thibs be on the hot seat? Um. Then I'll get for 20 says, Thibs isn't on the hot seat. Um, which most of us probably agree with. Um, we also probably agree that the eight-game win streak won him the rest of the year, at the very least. Um, he also says Leon Rose is also going down with the ship for Thibs, and Thibs might see the end of his contract. I mean, these are things, as soon as the eight-game win streak was occurring, I was like, yeah, this is buying Thibs the rest of the year. He's going to get extended, dude. He's going to get extended. Like, he's going to get extended. Two years left on this deal. Two out of three years you're in the playoffs. You have a top 10 team by all metrics. And this team just gives you like a hard-fought first round. And you can still sell yourself on the idea that you're getting a star at some point. Like, he probably gets extended. Sadly. Because, like, even though they're blowing and stuff like that, the resume still looks good. So, and you can just attribute that one year where you missed the playoffs to Randall playing above his head. And then Brunson coming in, like, their, their team-building philosophy of, like, we're just going to acquire a bunch of good players and be a good team, oh, like, is going to save that dude's job because, like, they just – their drafting is so good and their player scouting is so good and their development has been so good. So, for better or for worse, like, Leon Rose is literally keeping top level unemployed by being so good at his job, which is, like – Ah, uh, that's like a sick irony that the front office is so good at like doing the parts of the job that the front office has been so bad at for 20 years that it's going to keep a coach that they probably shouldn't be keeping. 
Mm. Until we actually experience like maybe some playoff success or like playoff heartbreak. I just don't get like how there isn't somebody who doesn't who doesn't look at the lineup data and like see and compare it to other teams. Like there's just no reason for all three of Brunson, Grimes, and Randall to play entire quarters. It just doesn't make sense. Like if Grimes came out earlier in the whatever, in the first or the third, you start the second or the fourth with RJ and Grimes next to quickly. Now all of a sudden you have quickly Grimes, RJ, and the loss of both Brunson and Randall is more mitigated. Like that's just logical. Of course, if you just throw the bench guys out there together for minimal minutes, it's you're just always going to go back to the starters and then they're eventually going to get exhausted. And that's going to be a never ending cycle. Like, I don't, I don't know how many times I can say it. It's just incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's see what other comments we got. We'll take. A, we'll, we'll go through like about like two or three more, and then we'll get out of here. Um. So Virgil X says, "Is this somewhat close games? IQ's fault for going one for seven? Dude, they were up twenty five. They were up twenty five. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah." Um, one for uh, one for seven from three, I assume he means, because he was yeah. three. I mean, and not that three for nine is good, but hey, you know what? If he was one for seven from three and he was three for th- three for nine, that means he was two for two from two. So the long term, quickly, uh, quickly stands. He's going to be. I think he's shooting fifty percent on twos this year, which we take the small victories. Also, the fact that he's just taking shots. Still, I mean, I'm still always going to like be happy about him just taking shots because like there was a point in the year where he wasn't taking shots and like. We were all wondering what is going on with him. So, you know. Yeah, that's, um, that's a really great point, Sam. Like, he, yeah. he is playing as free as we've seen him all season. And the fact that his shot attempts are staying consistent is reflective of that. And I think just being able to, you know, I think that opportunity to play with the starters really kind of, like, allowed him to, like, gain more confidence and, like, actually, you know, see what works for him and see what doesn't. And, you know, he's able to take that to now leading the second unit. Yep. Um, for 20 says like, is this the worst W of the season so far? What a wild thing to say. Yeah. I, I mean, judging by our tone tonight, I would say that it is. I mean, I'm happy we won because, you know, I'm just, ha- I'm always going to be happy that we win. But like, again, like I said, for the last game, it's all about the process in which you're like winning or losing games process in which we won this won this game was very ugly i mean once we got up 20 the fact that i'm thinking in my head oh my gosh we're going to blow this in the second quarter is a problem because it's something that we've done before so first of all sam there are two losses that specifically for you and your agenda were worse and that is the Philly game where if they lost that game, Tibbs is fired. And the Cleveland game, like there were two games where Tibbs' job was on the brink and we won both of those games. So yeah. those are probably worse wins. And uh, we beat Charlotte in overtime at home before the, the fourth game of the season. That's a pretty bad win. Oh, yeah, that game was ugly because we, we yeah. Charlotte was hitting like nonsense and, and it, it was like Smith Jr. Revenge and game. it was like it, it was dennis Smith jr's revenge game like it was 
it was like the the third unit of the Charlotte Hornets just like playing because like Lamelo wasn't there, Terry Rozier wasn't there, and like that's basically their team at this point because they don't have Miles Bridges. Like it was like the Charlotte Hornets skeleton squad versus the Knicks, and they were giving us a run for our money. Yeah, we've had some ugly wins this year, but I think and today the, uh, the, the Spurs won too. That's sorry, that's that's just the last one I want to say. The Spurs um, game. This, oh year. yeah, this past week, right? Yeah, where Jalen Brunson dropped thirty eight. Yeah. The fact that he had to drop 38 to like and there were like three clutch buckets too that night. Dude, that game is filthy. Like to describe this win, um, let me pose something. You are going out on a date, it's a beautiful time, like you had a great night, like you know, like you guys really clicked emotionally speaking, and like everybody enjoyed it, and like you went home, you told your boys, and it was great, and you text her, um, great night, thinking about you already, wish I could see you again, and she leaves you in red. This is how that night feels. Where it's like, you know what, you had a good night, you won, like you enjoyed yourself, but now you just end up heartbroken at the end of the day because like it could have been so much more. Like you plan out your future, time shares, like you were going on a vacation with her soon, you picked up the ring, and you just are heartbroken. Even though you had a good night, even though you had a good night, you're just heartbroken. And this is how it feels winning against the Pacers. After being up 25 and only winning by six. Yes. Tyrese, that was a very specific example. Has that like happened to you? Like, are, are you okay, bud? Or, Do we or a friend. Is that because you are a friend? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I guess you can say this is what this is one of the worst wins of the season, I would say. I mean, in terms of like process, I mean, to have a 25 point lead and to like not be relaxing in the fourth quarter. I mean, we should be here talking about like how we like what we were doing during the fourth quarter. Like that wasn't watching the game. Like I could have been like, hey, I was watching loss during the fourth quarter because we were up by like 40. No, I had to sit on the edge of my bed like intently paying attention after I just took three different types of drugs just to keep me from coughing. Like I shouldn't have to like, oh, the Knicks, the Knicks. What can you say? But, you know, we're happy we won. We're just, you know, disappointed in the way that we won because it could have very easily been a loss. I mean, there was a point in the fourth quarter where we had a turnover. We, 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 we make the gap where it's 110 to 103. We give up a turnover. Buddy Hill goes down, gets the layup. And it's like, holy shit, we could still lose this game. And that's like, that. that's not what should happen against the Pacers without um, Halliburton and Turner on the court. Like, yeah. but we won. You're, you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> but we won. So, you know. On to the next one. Um, I guess we can briefly talk about the next game before we, you know, head out of here. Next is game is the, is it almost the All Star break, Sam? Like Jesus. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, next game though is Friday versus the Wizards. I feel like every Friday night Knicks game is on the road, weirdly enough, which is and I guess the Wizards. I don't. I feel like we always play the Wizards on Friday. Yeah. And the Wizards, they just, like, Kyle Kuzma just hit some, like, fadeaway three to, like, win the game versus the Bulls today. <laughs> um, and I remember last season when we played 
them we played we played the wizards on a friday night but it was in msg and we had a lead and we blew it because and we i I think we lost the game or we almost lost it but like kyle kuzma was like hitting like some bs shots um per usual but yeah i mean that's what i'm expecting from this game it's a friday night it's friday night knicks there's gonna be some bs kyle kuzma is definitely gonna hit some bs versus us or he's gonna get a triple double like See, it's one or the other. It's either he gets a bullshit threes or, you know, triple-double. Um, but, yeah, I mean, versus the Wizards, they've picked things up as of late. Um, Bradley Beal is out. He's been consistently injured. Um, Porzingis is going to be out. Gafford's most likely going to be out. So, you know, it says out here on the injury report, but, you know, that can probably change before Friday. Um, but as of now, he is on the injury report. Um, but yeah, I mean, expecting to see Kuzma, expecting him to hit some nonsense versus us. Um, <laughs> I like how I like how we have to just like mentally prepare for that for teams to just hit these ridiculous shots. <sighs> yeah, Can't but yeah, yeah. I mean, Taj Gibson was starting for them today. That's their center. That's what it's come to for their centers now because both Gafford and Porzingis are out. Is is Beal gonna still be out? Is he out long term? Yeah, he's out long. He's he's out quite long term for the foreseeable future. So So he won't be out. He won't play this game. Um, but yeah, I mean Kuzma. Kuzma's the one guy. Like that's it, really. I mean, Will Barton has that tendency where he can like go off. Um. Delon Wright's been a steady hand for them. So, you know, those are the three guys that I'm looking out for. There's always the white shooter, Corey Kispert, that, you know, we just had Joe Ingles and Pat Connaughton light us up. So, you know, you might want to keep an eye on Corey Kispert. Big six, seven white guy, you know, can't miss him. Hopefully the next, you know, thankfully there's no Fournier on the court to, you know, run run away and leave him wide open. Did you guys see that play where he left Pat Connaughton like butt naked wide open in the corner? And he like ran back. Yeah, he. I mean, but we talked about it. Like, yeah, he executed what he was supposed to do terribly there. But he shouldn't be asked to go to the paint in the first place. Like, that's an unnecessary. Pre- <laughs> if Giannis gets by Randall, what is do you think doing? Evan Fournier do doing in the paint? Like, I don't understand what is even the point of him touching the paint there. There's nothing. It's useless. Hug him to the three-point line and take your chances with Randall. Like, or send the help from somewhere else. That is just a ridiculous dig. And it was just, it's, it's like, yeah, Fournier looked really stupid. And, like, he executed really bad. But the whole principle is really bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I think this game plan, this game, especially if both Porzingis and Gafford are going to be out, dominate down low. It's yeah. Taj Gibson. Respect for Taj Gibson for his Knicks stint, his great Knicks stint. He should have the number 67 retired, should be in the rafters. Preach. But <laughs> it's Denny Advia and Taj Gibson. We should be killing them in the paint. We did, Denny you Denny, did you see Denny's line? Rebounds 20 because, rebounds. Because Vucevic is the softest center in the fucking world. Listen, man, the IDF mound of rebound, don't play, okay? He's going against Nik- Nikola Vucevic. Like, come on. Listen, That's nobody. Man, he's going to give Mitchell Robson a problem. Denny Avniego hoop, like, his life depends on it. All right. Like, 
Taj gets to go turn back the hands of time and turn 27 again. You can get a post. Anyways. Be, 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 be real, Tyrese. You know what he, who he's actually going to give the business to. He's going to give the business to Randall because Randall won't box out ever. He'll just stand there and wait for three pounds, and oh, Denny will snake in over and over again. Dude, Taj gives him like one mean put back over Randall and like smile at him walking up the court. <laughs> or like he's going to have a three and do the thing, and I swear all of us are going to do it too because <laughs> it's Taj Gibson. But yeah. I mean, it's Kuzma, it's Advia, it's Taj Gibson, it's Rui Hachimura. We should be able to handle things in the paint. I think the game plan should be to go at the paint. Like, what are they going to do? They can't really stop us. Taj um, Gibson, five blocks. Two I don't need Julius Randle being three-point happy like he was versus the, um, who was it that he was very three-point happy against? I can't even remember now. The Bucks. Yes, versus the Bucks. So, like, Versus the Wizards, please, 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 please go to the paint at all costs. Also, question, if you see Taj versus Harden's then do you think Tibbs will crush the trade immediately? <laughs> uh, I don't even like, want to think about that. I can legitimately see Taj gives and giving Harden's on the business for like three minutes, like a three-minute stretch, and then Hart, then like Tibbs is going, all right, Leon, Leon. Make the trade. <laughs> I mean, we all need someone in our lives who loves us the way Tibbs loves Taj Gibson. Indeed. Just, just like, for the vibes, for the vibes. I'll tell you one thing I'm kind of worried about is Rui versus Obi. Like, Rui's been low-key good recently. Like, actually good. Not, not fake good. Actually good. And... I don't know. I could see I could see Obi having a quick hook if Rui kind of gets going off the bench. Oh, for sure. Oh uh-huh. my gosh. You think you think you think Randall's gonna match um Kuzma not Randall. You think there's gonna match Randall and Kuzma's minutes? Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. I wonder who grinds guards. I can see that maybe it's a really interesting like the, I, I'm now looking forward to the games when Grimes isn't matching. Like, because every time we play a guard who's a star, Grimes is just going to match his minutes, and that fucks up our, like, the rotations because Grimes is just always playing. Like, like he's not able to play shorter, m- multiple short shifts. A game like this Washington game should allow Grimes to, you know, come out at the five four minute mark of the first quarter and then come in and play with the bench in the second quarter. Like that's a rotation you really want to see. Um, It's not only good for the team, but it's good for Grimes because it's not fair for Grimes to play all of his minutes versus the starters. He was going to play, if he didn't come back in, he was going to play 29 minutes tonight. And like a hundred percent of them were going to be against opposing starters. And he was going to put up a good, good line. Let him cook a little bit with the second unit. Let him, God, it's not hard to just rotate. <laughs> yeah, but that's our coach. Hopefully Washington doesn't throw a trapping defense at us so we don't look lost again. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the secret's out. Because <laughs> that not that how we lost to Chicago? Didn't Grimes do something stupid against a trap? Or was that was that the indie game that we won? I, I, I it was think, the indie game that we won. Yeah, okay. Where, like, Grimes was trying to... Indy loves there. trapping. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Grimes missed two free throws against Chicago. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, don't remind me. Yeah. Don't remind me. But yeah, hopefully they don't employ a trapping defense or a zone defense because then we'll absolutely be screwed. 
because this team just looks like a deer in headlights versus those type of defenses. But you know, we'll so. see. We'll see. Um, my cough has finally subsided as we are about to end. Wow, insane timing. Yeah, you sound great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we're gonna end off things here. Knicks win, even though it didn't sound like the Knicks won from us <laughs> for most of the night. Um, hopefully they win on Wednesday. On not Wednesday, today is Wednesday. Hopefully they win on Friday in a way more convincing and comfortable fashion. Um, once again, it's all about the process over here, at least with me, and I think with Jeff and Tyrese as well. But yeah, I think. It's all about the process. It's how you win these games. It's not that the fact that they won. Um, we'll be back on Friday after the Wizards game, Friday night Knicks on the road at Washington. Um, you know, check out everything stricken related in the comments, in the description, I mean. Losing my mind here. Um, everything stricken related. We got links to the site, Twitter, merch patreon all great ways to support us we're also on instagram at the strict.land give us a follow um leave a like and subscribe we are on our way to 1k subs um so all that you do definitely helps us with all the algorithm mumbo jumbo um you know how youtube is these days it's very complicated and very complex so you know leaving a like and subscribing will definitely help us out a ton um and we'll catch you guys on friday peace out Thank <laughs> you.